I don't know what you call good preaching, but good preaching is when you hear the Word of God proclaimed and you are encouraged and then you are challenged. Now, I think in our world today, there are many preachers who want to encourage, but they're not challenging people. And I believe that the Word of God, everywhere I read, challenges me. Um, I'm going to maybe share some verses with you tonight as I go through my message to show you maybe what you don't see. Sometimes when I'm reading my Bible, and generally in the morning, uh, sometimes I read a passage and then all of a sudden something will jump out of the Scripture and show me. And those are wonderful times, and I'm going to tell you why. Because that proves I'm a child of God. Because the Holy Spirit of God is revealing me truth I couldn't otherwise understand and would care about. Now, I wish I could tell you that every morning I can't wait to get up and read my Bible. I am not a reader, all right? I really am not. So I've had to, in my life, have really been challenged to read the Word of God. I listen to a lot of preaching, uh, which is wonderful. In this day, we can, we can hear uh, many great sermons during the day, um, depending on where I'm at. Um, but the real important part of our lives is, is us getting into the Word of God. And I think it's also important that you come to God's house. And I believe and I'm thankful that you came tonight, in spite of the fact that I'm here rather than Jacob being here. Um, but the Bible says that we ought to forsake not the assembling ourselves together, particularly as the day approaches, that we be better prepared. And I hope tonight that you will be encouraged and that you will be challenged. I sometimes measure how good a sermon is as to how long it stays with me. Many messages that I hear, um, and it's not always the preacher's fault, is that I, I, I don't know, I just, I don't get to the parking lot with it. Okay? You ever had that problem? I do. Let's just face it. And there's other times when I hear a message and, I hear it, and it stays with me almost all week. I would like to hope that maybe today, tonight, that this message would stay with you this week. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn over into Romans, the 12th chapter. We're going to look at just two verses. I only have two points tonight to my sermon. And um, I want to, I may do something I've never done before, but we'll just wait and see, Okay. I believe and really have come to the conclusion that these two verses of Scripture are really my life's Scripture that I hold to probably as much as any I have in the Bible. Now, they're all important. But in my life, the second verse is the one I want to spend some time with about being conformed to the word, world. And I want you to know that I was saved when I was 19 years of age but the world had a hold of me. I had a sin nature within me. I still got it. And I have problems with it day by day. But I now have the Holy Spirit of God living within me. And he is encouraging me and challenging me as I read the word of God. And so let's read the word of God tonight. Would you stand in honor of God? I'm an old guy, okay? I just think you ought to stand in honor of God's word, all right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, 
acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, we're going to pray in just a moment here. I would ask you to pray for me. I'm a little bit nervous tonight, and I'm not normally that way. I told someone I even had my wife drive me to church, and I don't know, maybe that's why I'm nervous. I don't know. (laughs) But I want to honor the Lord tonight. Would you pray and ask God to help me? Let's pray. Father, I stand before you as a just a man who has no value other than the fact that I'm a child of God. And I pray, God, somehow tonight that you might speak through me. Uh, I can't do it. I have no ability whatsoever in myself, but I know that you can accomplish what only you can do. I don't know the needs of these people. I don't know their hurts, their uh, discouragements, but you do. And I pray, God, that you'll speak to them individually. I only do this because I have confidence in your ability. And so tonight, I pray that you'd help. I pray that, Lord, if there's someone here who doesn't know you in the forgiveness of sin, never been saved, never been born again, I pray that you might stir their heart as only you can do and is great need, and it's the only way they'll be saved is for you to stir their hearts, but they must respond. I pray, God, you'd help them do that tonight. And then for us who are Christians, encourage us tonight, and then help us to be challenged and think about how we might grow and be transformed by you. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I uh, um, believe that being transformed by God is the only way for us to be different than the world. I believe that God has a purpose for each of our lives, and even though you are all different here tonight, God has a purpose for your life, and he has a direction for your life. And I, I hear so many people say this, well, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Here's what I've found. Get to doing the things of God, and God will show you. Don't wait around to be told. Just get after it. And I think the way you do that is get into God's house, Go to church, read his word, and I believe that, and maybe even do some jobs in the church. If nothing else, be a janitor with nothing else. I mean, that's important. But to do something in the service of God, and God can reveal to you the um, um, uh, gifts that you have. Can you give me the the first uh, phrase there, um, Mike? I'm sorry. First of all, I want you to know that we've got to be transformed. And we have to be renewed and made new again. And the only way that will happen is if you're transformed by salvation. I told you I was saved. It's been almost 51 years ago. I was 19 years of age, soon to be 20. That'll tell you how old I'm going to soon be. I'm 71. I'll soon be 72, so you don't have to do the math. Um, But the Lord convicted my heart as a young man for many years. Um, I was raised in a Christian home, and all my siblings were Christians. I had joined the church, made a profession of faith, but I knew that I wasn't saved. And as a teenage boy, God convicted my heart sometimes. It was just unbelievable. I think about camp that these kids are going to. I remember one time when I was 16 years of age at Lake Salatiska over at Pinckneyville on a Sunday afternoon. I heard the preaching of the word, and I remember how God broke my heart and made me to know I was lost. 
Nobody knew it but me, but I knew it. And uh, I struggled through another three years, and the Lord, the hounds of heaven, you ever heard that term? The hounds of heaven kept coming. And um, finally, I submitted to the call of God and accepted him. Now, when I got saved, the night I got saved, I didn't have any goosebumps. I didn't have any hair stand up on my head. I really almost immediately questioned whether what I had done was real or not. Now, I want to be careful because you don't measure your um, salvation experience by mine, all right? But I'm trying to help you here to understand that God works in different ways. We all have different personalities. I think he works through our personalities and who we are. And I think that he wants to show us or grow us in a, in a unique and personal way. Uh, soon after I um, was saved, things began to change in my life. I had nothing but turmoil in my life. I wasn't doing anything bad, but I just didn't have any direction in my life. And, and God brought my wife soon after that into my life, and we were married in about 18 months after that. And then we started a family, and, and we were going to church faithfully. That's what I was taught to do. And then the Holy Spirit began to deal with me about my relationship just with Him. Not with my wife or my children or my church, but my relationship with Him. And finally, I I realized that the need in my life was reading God's Word. And so I made a commitment. I even came forward one day and I announced to the church that I'm asking you to pray for me that I will be faithful to get in God's Word. And I have done that since and not as faithful all the time as I ought to be but I want to tell you something it changed my life the word of God that's what how God speaks to us through preaching of the word but also on a one-on-one basis and so we're transformed by salvation do you understand do you understand what you have in salvation you who were lost in your trespasses and sin you had nothing of value to bring to the Lord the only thing I brought to Salvation was my lostness. But when I turned to Christ, he saved me. And then he began to change my life. And as I began to do that, there began to be changes. And and I think sometimes as preachers, sometimes they don't make us and help us understand what's going on in our lives, that God is literally at work in our lives. I like practical preaching about everyday life because that's where you live, isn't it? It's not here in the church. It's out there doing what you do, whether you teach school, the challenges you have there, or whatever it is. And sometimes you wonder, God, where are you at? Have you ever wondered that? I do. And then there are other times that I realize that God's at work, and he's at work in my life. And I want to be faithful to him. Um, The next point there are the uh, under... Transform my salvation, Mike. You got that? Okay. Okay. That's all right. We're fine. That's all right. I'm sorry. And I didn't open my iPad. I thought I could do this by memory, but I'm not doing very good. So we're transformed, and we are changed. And the very first verse says that I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord. I want to ask you a question. Is that fair for God to ask that question? 
Is God fair in asking that? Well, I believe that Paul says yes. And I'll tell you how he says it in the very first part of that verse when he says, I beseech you, therefore. And what you got to do, you got to go back in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans and you will find why you ought to be uh, giving yourself to the Lord because he gave himself for you. He who knew no sin became sin so that we who were lost could be saved. He initiated all that. I, through the years, I've heard songs that said, one of them is, when I, he was on the cross, I was on his mind. I often wondered about that, but I believe it's true. I believe he knows me personally. You know how I know that? I'm glad you asked. Because I remember when I was 19 years old, the day I was saved, I was riding a tractor out in a field down by Thompsonville. We had a sickle morning. We remember when you went around the field and... I remember every pass I was making, the Holy Spirit of God was dealing me. And I thought about the idea, I could get off this tractor right here and be saved. But I had a stubborn will. I wouldn't do it. And I'm thankful I, when I look back on that. I, I don't understand why God continued to convict me. But I'm glad he did. And when I, here's what he did. When I called upon him to save me, he did it. Now, my brother recently told this story. Dennis, who is a year younger than me, he was there when I got saved. And just one day here, this spring, I guess it was, he was helping us a little bit farming, and, and he began to talk about the night I got saved. It was, it was just, it was kind of neat. He said, I remember there was a pastor there, and he asked you a question. Will you give yourself to Christ? And I told him, I want to. He said, I'm not asking you if you want to. I'm asking you, will you? I like that. Sometimes we need to be affirmative and handle these things just like you do with your children. I'm not asking you to do this. Do it. And when I said, I said, yes, I will. And Dennis said, I was gloriously saved. And I don't know what he saw, okay? But I was saved because I turned myself to him. And so we have in this passages, these 11 chapters, Paul delineates the wonderful gift of salvation. Um, the first chapter of the book of Romans talks about the idea of the slippery slope of sin. And my friends, today that passage is more um, relevant than it has ever been. Turn back if you would, let's use our Bibles just a little bit, to the first chapter of the book of Romans. And it talks about how that sin degrades but I want to show you something here that's really going to be relevant to what I'm going to say in just a little bit. Verse 32, or verse 31, let's say. Oh, I'll go back up to 30. Um, let's go up to 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil, mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, Proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Interesting, that's in there. Undiscerning, unworthy, trustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. What's that? That's hell. Not only to do the same, but not only do the same, 
but also approve of those who practice them. Do you get that last phrase? Can I ask you, have you approved or putting up with some of this? That's a hard question, isn't it? I don't want to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this. For the first time in our family, we have a grandson that is a prodigal. Oh, he's not out in the world, but he's not where he ought to be. There's some things going on in his life. And I've been thinking this week, been praying about it, been praying the last few weeks, how do we deal with that? Just Kay and I, we're grandparents. We're not the parents, but we're grandparents. How do we deal with that? And I don't want to, I don't want to approve him in anything he's doing wrong. I want to stand firm against it. And that's not easy. That will cost you something. And in this life, you'll have to pay the cost if you're going to stand for the Lord. My daughter this past Father's Day said something to me that I'm kind of I'm proud of. But she said, Dad, I want you to know how much I appreciate you. You've been faithful all these years. But she said, another thing you've been, you've been faithful when it wasn't easy. You've taken a stand sometimes when it wasn't popular and it's cost you. Ooh. Joel Osteen won't like that. But that's the way it is. It will cost you. But I believe it honors the Lord when we stand for Him. Well, I could go on through the book of Romans here. The third chapter says, All the sinning comes short of the glory of God. Chapter 5, verse 8 says that God showed His love to us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us before you were ever born. He had already made provision for you. And by the way, I believe Christ died for all sinners and every sinner can be saved. And I believe that God will go after them in different ways, maybe not like He did me. But he will deal with them. And I think that then we go on to chapter 6 where it says um, that if thou shalt confess thy mouth. No, that's not it. Uh, I can't even remember. I've lost it. But in chapter 10 it says if you'll confess the Lord and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. There's so many passages in this chapter. And really Romans is a theological dissertation of salvation, of what God has done and what he's doing. Now listen to me. Not only is he doing that here in the United States of America, he's doing it all over the world. I think of Alberto. And there are missionaries all over the world. We got the idea somewhere that God's an American. He's not. Okay? He's not on the Social Security rolls. All right? He's not an American. He's the God of the universe. And he's reaching to all people. And you and I need to do that. That's why we believe in missions. Well, uh, the next thing I want you to see, because time's getting away from me, is that we are transformed by the Holy Spirit of God. <clears throat> now, in verse 2 it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, what's involved with that? I'm glad you asked. It is sanctification. It is a process that we who are saved, God begins to work in us to bring us to be the people that he wants us to be and to honor him. He's preparing us, I believe, for the marriage supper of the Lamb. How about that one? If you look in Romans, the 19th chapter, I believe somewhere around the 16th verse, the Bible says that the saints of God came with, is coming with Jesus 
and they are robed in robes of white, which are the works of the saints. Oh, that's interesting to me. You think God is concerned about what you're doing here on this earth as a Christian? I promise you he is. He is about wanting to make you the man or woman, boy or girl that he wants you to be. Not what? He's not going to make you like me. It's going to be different. Now, I believe that the standard is the same for all. He's not going to show you, uh, for instance, he's not going to call you to murder or adultery, but rather to godliness. And it will look different in every life. The Bible says in the book of Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, the uh, 19th chapter, I believe it is, says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro upon the earth to show himself strong who have, to a people who are of a loyal heart. Think about that. Now, I want to say this. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament is as valuable to us today as the New Testament is because Christ is in the Old Testament. I believe that if, you, if I ask you a question, where's the first reference of Jesus in the, New Test, or in the Old Testament? Well, I believe it's in Genesis when at least before when Adam and Eve sinned and God provided a sacrifice for them which identified that Jesus would come one day. Man, he's all over the Old Testament. Remember when Abraham was taking Isaac up? God told him, I want you to take your son and I want you to sacrifice him. And they went a ways. And Isaac said to dad, behold the fire, behold the wood, but where's the sacrifice? He said, God will provide himself a lamb. And he did, didn't he? It was some 2,000 years later, but Jesus came. In the fullness of time, he came to the manger of Bethlehem. God was on time. And he provided salvation for us in that manger of Bethlehem. I don't, I, I'll tell you what, sometimes I get to think about that. God in the manger in Bethlehem, how'd that hold him? You know what I mean? But he was, he was God. And then he lived a sinless life, came here among people that rejected his, him, his very own people rejected him. He even prayed in the 20th chapter of the book of John, Lord, I pray for those you have given me, not that you would take them away from the world, but rather that you would set them apart. What does that say? That we have a responsibility here to honor the Lord. There are people who are watching us every day. Dude, we sing songs. Let others see Jesus in me. Keep telling the story. Be faithful and true. Let others see Jesus in me. I think we've lost sight of that. And Satan would tell you there's no value in you doing that. Have you ever heard him say that to you? And there's no real value in you going to church today or tonight, but I believe there is. I believe it's honoring to the Lord. And your neighbors are watching you. I will never forget one time, I was a very young man. I was farming. It, this has been 40 years ago, 45. And I was down at Thompsonville, and there was some men uh, there in a place. You know how farmers are. They were talking. And they were talking about some TV show on Sunday night. And I can't remember what it was because I never was home on Sunday nights. And there was a man who was not a Christian, looked at me. I didn't even know he knew I existed. And he said, well, you don't ever get to watch that show because you're at church on Sunday nights. Wow. Where did he get that? 
I walked away from there. I think I'll go again next Sunday night. And I'll keep going. You see what I mean? Because people are watching you. Not only that, they're watching all that you do or say. Now, I'm going to, this sermon's going to get a little bit more personal as we go through it here. I haven't got a whole lot of time left, but I'm going to do this. This is why I'm nervous. There is no question that our world today is ungodly. There is sin running rapid in our United States of America. I would have never thought that I would see what I see happening today and sin that's being propagated in our society. You may, and I think Gary referenced this or or maybe Jacob did, that one of these days we may not be able to preach like we're preaching and say what we're saying because you are instigating violence. I never had heard this said quite the same way. If you get a chance, now you all got cell phones, I assume, if you'll Google Josh Hawley and NBC News, here about a week ago or so, he was, there was a hearing at the uh, Capitol building, the Senate, and there was a, a person who was testifying, and he asked some questions. I, if you want to see how crazy this has got, see, there, since there's no foundations for us to believe in, and nothing to say this is right and this is wrong, you can't, you can't defend, you can defend any position you want to. And we're, and we're headed to the idea, and, and abortion was part of this, I, I didn't mean to get into this, and I, but, but the world is moving in a direction, and I believe here in Hamilton County, in Franklin County, where you are, you need to stand up. Now you say, well, how do you do that? I'm glad you asked that question. Let me give you an example. My son-in-law was pastor at Woodlawn Baptist Church for seven or eight years. He's now in Decatur. But he told this story about a man who started coming to church and got saved and, and joined the church. The story was this man was working in the coal mines. And some men were talking, as men do. Men, we do that, don't we? And um, he was telling the story that he decided that he and this lady, or woman, maybe it's a better term, were going to live together without the benefit of marriage. And there was a man in that group who made this statement. So you're going to live in sin. And walked away. And the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of that guy and brought him to the point of salvation. Most of us say, well, I don't want to get involved in that. I don't want to appear to be, um, you know, not accepting. There's a lot of ways, and all of you, listen, all of you, when I look at each one of you, have different ways that you can do that. You're in different positions, different uh, jobs, different, uh, you have a different personality, but I believe sometimes we just need to say that's wrong. <clears throat> I came back this week. Some of you know that I'm on the state board of Farm Bureau, and I was in Bloomington all week. We have, I'm, I sit on the board of Country Mutual Insurance and, and then on the board of Farm Bureau. I cannot believe, even in these boards that I sit on, I came home Friday so discouraged and challenged because the worldliness and the ungodliness is affecting businesses and the way they conduct businesses. business. They're coming after us. They're not going to let you do business the way you're doing it. They're going to tell you how you're going to do it, and you're going to tell you who you ought to do business with. 
nothing else. You know, out in Colorado, the guy wouldn't make the cake for the, for the uh, homosexuals. I think he had every right to do that. He'd sell him a cake, but he wouldn't make it a special, you know. We're, I don't know how, how we do this, and, and we've, we've, we've let the world, and I don't know how you will stand for the Word of God, but you need to be thinking about, and the Holy Spirit of God, listen to me, will show you how to do it. You won't do it the way I do, but you need to do it. And I believe that, that God is wanting to bless us and, and honor us. The Bible says in Proverbs, I read this not too long ago, a few mornings ago, I think it's the ninth verse of 28th chapter of Proverbs, says the prayer of an evil man is detestable to God. Well, that means also that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. See, we need, to be, we need to be about God's business so we can have influence with God. We just, we wimp around, and I'm guilty of it. I try to share the gospel with people. It's amazing to me to hear what people say when you ask them if they're going to heaven. Well, I think I am. And I, I see people who, who tell me, well, I think I'm going to go to heaven. Well, what makes you think that you're going to go to heaven? Well, I try to do good, and I said, you're in bad shape because you ain't going to make it that way. And then I tell them, you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And they say, well, I did that one time. Well, why didn't you tell me that? Did they, they don't have confidence. See, I think we really need to get saved in the Word of God and understand the first 11 books or chapters in the book of Romans and understand what we've got and then storm hell with a water pistol. You know what I mean? Have confidence in who we are. And this is one of the things that God has given me in the last few years, a confidence in who I am in Christ Jesus. There's all kinds of evidences about it. He reveals himself when I read his word. There's some other things that happen that he shows me that I am a child of God. And I tell this story, and I hope you're not offended by it, but I believe I'm as sure for heaven as if I was already there. That's pretty cocky, but I want to tell you something. We as God's people ought to be that way. And if you have confidence about that, you'd be more willing to tell other people about what you got. And we need to relate to people. Now, i got to quit here in just a moment. The problem is, in God's house, the world has got into the house of God and in the people of God. All right? Now, you say, how has that happened? Do you really want me to tell you? Well, I think I will. I think sometimes in the way that we talk, we need to, we need to be people who use the Word of God. I've been doing something the last few years that I hadn't done before, and I've been saying, may the Lord bless you. Try to encourage someone. Trying to say things that sound like I'm a man of God. You see? And then I'm careful about the way I dress. Now, it's not too big a deal for a guy like me, all right? But I do believe that there are people who are when a guy comes to church with a Budweiser shirt on, huh? I do believe drinking is wrong. And you can say all you want to about, there's nothing wrong with you to drink socially, but if my mom and dad had told me as much about something to stay away from as the Bible does about alcohol, I wouldn't have done it because I know I'd have been in trouble. You see what I mean? 
And that is happening in our churches today. We have people who are socially drinking, and it's a challenge out there. And I assume you have a church covenant. In that church covenant, you have agreed not to do it. Okay? So don't do it. You're sinning if you're not, all right? If you are doing it. Well, there are other ways. I, I have been speaking in churches for a long time. And let me explain this to you. God has never called me to preach. I've never felt the call to preach. But I've done some speaking. I've been called places, and I've gone, and I've gone, and I've gone, okay? I don't turn anybody down. It doesn't make any difference how the size of the church, who comes first, is where I'm going, all right? And uh, I, uh, I believe that God calls preachers. I really do. I believe in a call. I would never be ordained as a gospel preacher. Would not do that because I've not been called. And I go to, early on when I started this, I started going to a lot of churches over in Franklin County. This doesn't happen here in Hamilton County, okay? But I would go to some churches, and I would be amazed at who was deacons in the churches that I went to. Because I knew them at the FS store or in town at the coffee. I didn't go to the coffee shop much, but their language was horrible. I never saw one spiritual thing in their life. I think of one individual that I knew many years ago. He's gone now. But he came to church almost every Sunday. He carried his Sunday school courtly in his hand. He didn't carry a Bible. I never saw, now listen to this, I never saw one spiritual thing come from that man. Now you say, are you judging, Larry? Well, the Bible says, by their fruits you shall know them. And I'm going to tell you something, we are called not to judge people for what we don't know, but what we do know. All right? If they're out running around, carousing, committing adultery, and doing all these things, and it's a known fact, it ain't judging it's a reality. Now, it's, a, it's judging when I look at you and say, I wonder what he's thinking. You see what I mean? Because I can't know that. So you've got to be careful with that. And I'm, I sometimes am, I have a friend that I talk to two or three times a week. He's my mentor. Um, I hope I'm a little bit of a mentor to him. But we talk about these things. And he's an old coal miner. He knows the Bible better than I do. He can remember scripture. It's just amazing to me. And We'll talk about somebody and say, well, he's lost and on his way to hell. Well, that's pretty hard, isn't it? But many people are who, we, who name the name of Christ, but I don't think they're saved. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Could I ask your neighbors? How about your spouse? Ooh, I think that there ought to be evidences. That's why in this passage in verse 2, don't be conformed to the word, but be transformed. Let the Holy Spirit change you and make you into the person that he wants you to be. And, and that's not an easy walk, ladies and gentlemen. Time's getting away from it. But it is important that we let God change us and make us into the people he wants to be, mold us. There's some things in the Bible I don't like. And, and Jacob's kind of preached some of that. But I know it's right. And I, here's one, love everybody. Do you know some of the people over in Franklin County? But I'll tell you, I put this to practice one time. 
And I decided there were some people in the church that I just had struggles with. And so I said, Lord, I'm going to take you at your word. And I'm going to begin to exhibit love to those folks by just being nice to them, being kind to them. And you know what the Lord did? He changed me. He didn't change them. He changed me. See, that's what needed. I I'm, was conforming to the world, and I need to be transformed. I could go down a list of things that I need to do in my life. And, and, and I think sometimes the Bible's not a book of don'ts as much as it is a book of do's. That we ought to be doing some things that honors the Lord. When we're driving in our car, how we act in the car. When we see people who have a need or, or be kind to people. I had something happen this week. It was the neatest thing ever. I was going to tell you this story. I know time's getting away. But I got to Bloomington the other night, and I realized I had a tar going flat. Well, that's a blessing, isn't it? It's 6 o'clock at night. So I thought, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I went down to a gas station and tried to air it out. I hear it was leaking. So I asked a guy where there's a place maybe I get a tire fixed at 6 o'clock at night in the evening. It's hot. He said, well, there's a place up here on Route 51 before you hit the interstate. Try that. And so I pulled into this place. The name of the place is Grease Monkey. There are, I think that there's several of those around, but I never had been to one. I pulled in. They weren't full, and I got out and went to a young man. He wasn't over this big, but he'd been working that day, and he was dirty. And I said, I've got a flat tar. Could you help me? He said, what size tar is it? Is it a 20-inch or an 18-inch? I said, I think it's an 18-inch. He said, think I can. Pull around here. We pulled around. And he got underneath that car, which I wish I could do. I can't get out on asphalt and get back up. But I told him when I got out of the car, I said, I want you to know I appreciate your kindness to me. Because I'm away from home. He said, are you going somewhere? I said, no, I'm going to be here for the next few days. And I appreciate um, just your kindness to me. Well, he took the tire off, took it in, had another guy come and look at it. I mean, I really didn't think the guy had enough knowledge to know how to fix the tire, but I watched him a little bit. And he came out, put the tire on, and when he got done, I said, how much do I owe you? You're not going to believe this. He said, you don't owe me nothing. I said, What? He said, you were nice to me. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I pulled out my billfold. The only mistake I made, there was a 10 in there, but there was a 20 beside it. I should have gave him the 20. You know what I mean? Now I hope that somehow, somehow he saw Jesus in me. So there's all kinds of little things done on earth in heaven one day proclaimed. And we need to be about God's work in our lives. I had a lot more stuff I was going to give you tonight, but I'm going to stop. Now the why part of this message. Why should we be faithful to the Lord? There you go. You see that picture? That's my little grandson. I have seven, actually eight grandchildren. He's the youngest. He's, when that picture was taken last fall, he was two and a half years old. Now, you know, grandmas are always the favorite of all the grandkids. Not this guy. He is grandpa's buddy. My daughter says when he gets up in the mornings, grandpa, tractors. And he came that fall day, and my daughter was out there. I'm going to the barn. There he was. I'd showed him. It was kind of a cool day, and I said, now, Oliver, 
you need to put your hands in your pocket. You don't have any gloves, so you need to keep your hands in your pocket. I went out to the tractor, and there he stood right there. I set him up in the tractor. He's three years old now. But one of these days, the Holy Spirit of God is going to come and convict him. I don't want his grandpa to be in the way. I want him to see Jesus in me. If, we, if our children and our grandchildren don't see Jesus in us, I'm telling you the world won't see it either. And by the way, uh, Abraham Hamilton III on AFR radio at 5 o'clock in the evening makes this statement. It's more important what happens in your house than what happens in the White House. You think about that one a while. That is as true as the day is long. It don't make any difference what goes on there, but it does make a difference what goes on in my home. And it is my responsibility, and I want to be faithful to that so that when that little boy and maybe some of his other siblings or his cousins get to the point of salvation, they'll see Jesus in their grandpa. i got to tell one other story. This little boy, his great-grandfather lives across the river in Marion, Kentucky. That's where my son-in-law is from. He got COVID this week. He's now in the hospital down there in Salem, um, uh, Kentucky. And it looks like he's not going to survive. And I got a call from my son-in-law, Carlton. He was going down there on Friday. My, grands, my, uh, my son-in-law is the favorite of all the grandkids in that family. But his grandfather, granddaddy he calls him, was not a Christian. So I was calling him as he was going down there. And he told me, he said, I've shared the gospel with granddaddy several times, and I don't even know whether they'll let me get into the hospital because it's COVID. He called me later on and said, they said they'll let me in. I said, Carlton, I'll be praying for you. He got down there, shared the gospel, and his grandpa responded and got saved. Oh, I texted Carlton a while ago, and I made this statement. I'm so glad that you was concerned about the soul of your grandfather. Hallelujah. Don't ever give up, ladies and gentlemen. I got a neighbor that's 93 years old. He's never been saved. I've talked to him about the Lord. He's dying. And I've talked to him and shared the gospel. I can't get him to respond. He's not responding. I'm afraid he's going to slip into a Christless eternity. And they're going to ask me to do the funeral. I don't know what I want to do then. But I want Willard to know Christ. I've shared with him, Willard, there's no sense in you dying and going to hell. Christ died for you. And if you put your faith and trust in him, you can go to heaven. My friend, that's what it's about, pointing people to Jesus. Whether it be your neighbors, whether it be your grandchildren, I don't care who it is, people all over need the Lord. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Has God spoke to you tonight? I'm done. Maybe he showed you something, or maybe when you go home tonight, or maybe there's something that's been in your life, and you know you need to surrender something to Christ in your life. And I don't care how old you are or how young you are here in this service tonight. God's not done with you if you're still breathing. You hear me, old people? I'm talking to me now. Listen, we're here for a reason i tell you what, I want to go out with a... When I die, I hope my grandkids are around the, the bed and they see something on my face they've never seen before. I'm a little bit morbid, okay, but I try to when godly people are 
on their deathbed. I try to be there when they die. Because I want to see, I've heard stories, haven't you? And I want to see, I've seen, heard of hands being raised. I've heard of smiles coming and tears coming down. Their eyes are somewhat even saying, I see them, they're coming. The angels, the music is so wonderful. Listen, it's not about this life as much as we think it is. It's about an eternity in, in heaven or in hell. My friend, we need to be about God's business. Now, I want to ask you, is God speaking to you? If he is, if you're lost and you need to be saved, we'd be more than happy to share the gospel with you and pray with you tonight. Or maybe you just need to, at your seat, you just need to submit to the Lord in some area of your life. And so we're going to have a word of prayer. And while we sing, you respond as God would have you to. Would you stand to your feet, please? Lord, I don't know if you could do anything with this. But I pray, God, that you'd stir hearts in my own life, God. Make me the man you want me to be, that I would be faithful to you day by day. I got a week ahead of me. I don't know what all is going to happen. I don't know what obstacles are going to come or what opportunities, but help me to be about your work day by day. Lord, if someone's lost here, would you help them to respond? And I pray that your will be done today, tonight as we go through this invitation. In the name of Christ, I pray and ask it all. Amen.